Welcome to the New Life Millbrook Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please visit nlmillbrook.com. I'm excited about our small groups launching up. It is a way for us to connect. I feel uh, like our world has, over the past, I don't know, four years or so, has disconnected from community. And I think it's important for us to connect back together. You coming here and listening to me or listening to a podcast, hey, that's great for you. But can I tell you, you have something to offer. And the person sitting next to you in the aisle in front of you, in the row in front of you, aisle across from you, they need you as well. And we have a chance to connect in relationships, whether it's playing pickleball or playing basketball or just eating or, or, or whatever it may be, it's an opportunity for us to uh, co-mingle. And, and, and if we can use this, spiritual cross-pollinization is an important part, okay? And so please sign up, be a part. You don't have to sign up for one, uh, sign up for five. It's whatever you want to do, whatever your schedule will allow. Um, uh, Mr. Horn's going to do basketball group. He's going he's, he's gonna to be dunking on all of us later on, so we're excited about that. Uh, but here we go. Uh, for those of you who are with us for the first time or haven't been here in a little bit, we go through the book of Acts right now, and we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter. The reason why I do this uh, is because I'm not a big fan of just picking a random topic and making the Bible fit my, my message. I want to just say what it says, and it builds upon each other. Context is important, right? If you've been married, you understand context is important. If you've had a relationship, context is important because uh, it builds a lot. And if you can understand the why behind the what that's going on, it will help us understand and relate a lot more. So that's kind of the purpose here. Now, I do want to preface this. Uh, Every single book that is written in the New Testament from the Apostle Paul is captured in these chapters of Acts. So Like, for instance, in Acts chapter 18, when we get there, probably in October. Um, Now, when we get to Acts chapter 18, you'll realize that he's actually writing at the same, his story, it's pretty cool, his story is being written as he's writing to the church at Galatia. And so we're going to see what's built up into his life for him to write the part of Galatians that we're going to be reading about, okay? Um, And so we're going to hop back and forth in the next few chapters from Uh, Acts to Galatia to Thessalonia to all these different parts, okay? And we're going to go from there. But right now we are in Acts chapter 13. If you have a Bible, then go ahead and join with us in 13. If you don't have a Bible, uh, but you have a phone or a tablet, uh, you can download the Bible app and and follow along with us. If you don't want to do those two things, it's going to be on the screen above us. And and today we're going to begin going through uh, Acts 13, verse 13, and we'll probably get to 41 today, possibly, okay? Um, But let's pray. Uh, Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that as we dive into your word today, that it's not things that I have studied, but God, let it be inspiring for today. Don't let it just be a history lesson, but let it be something that is going to be applicable to today and our lives and our circumstances to help us be more like you. In Jesus' name. 
Amen. Backstory for the first 13 verses. Paul, uh, uh, Barnabas and Saul have launched off into what is called the first missionary journey. Uh, Lauren's going to throw this map on the screen here in just a second. And what this is, is they are leaving Antioch and they're going to be going to the island of Crete and beginning ministry. Now we know that when they landed in Crete, they didn't uh, have much success on this first drop right there. Uh, and then as they went to the other side of the island of Crete, uh, we know that they had one convert. That's a lot of work for one person. But can I tell you, God cares about the one. And it was worth it to send Barnabas, Saul, John Mark, anybody else that went with them all the way across to fund that mission, mission for one. And God cares about you. You are not lost in his eyes. You are not lost in the sea of 8 billion people on this earth. He knows every number, hairs on your head, they are numbered. He knows every single part of who you are from before you were born to even after you breathe your last breath. He knows who you are intimately. And I want you to know that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. It's clear throughout the Bible that his plan and his purpose is to give you a hope and a future. Not a devastating future, not a future of doom and gloom, but a future that is hopeful. Because can I tell you, we are hoping for better days than today. This side is happy with their lives. This side, we are hoping for better days than today. Amen? Y'all talk back. Come on. I know y'all, a lot of white folks in here today, but y'all can talk back. Come on. Listen, I'm from a multicultural church in Southwest Florida, so I, I need my Spanish brothers and sisters and my African-American brothers and sisters because these white people, they need to be taught. So we are looking for better days than today. Can I tell you, you did not peak in high school. You did not peak in college. You did not peak when you were in your 20s and 30s. Can I tell you, your days ahead are better than your previous days. That's what we are looking for, that you have a hope and a future. It's not a, 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 a verse that says, and we reminisce about the awesomeness of our past as we wait to die in glory. No, he has a hope and a future for you. And today you're here, maybe for the first time, and maybe you are a big churchgoer, maybe you've never been to church, maybe your spouse drug you to church, or maybe you thought this was something else and you just wandered in. But today, I want you to know that God has your number. You could have been in a lot of places, not just here in Millbrook, but think about your life and the totality of your life, that God could have, you could have been designated in a different state. You could have been born in a different country. You could have been in a different city. You could be all over the place, but God has you here for a purpose. So let's, for the next 30 or 45 minutes, dive into what this purpose may be. Let's look at what's happening in our lives. You're not here by accident. I tell this story because uh, I, I am doing my best uh, to um, get my physical body healthy and in shape and losing weight and all that fun stuff. And there's a gym that I like to work out at. It's called Club Four, um, and it's a huge gym. And, and, and if you've ever worked out, and maybe some of you guys can understand, if you've ever had a really good, strong workout, and then as soon as you're done, you are starving. Man, so I do this workout, and I'm done, and there's a brand new restaurant, two doors down. Listen, I love some Asian food, and so I'm like, ooh, a good walk. I'm going to walk in there. It's a restaurant called Hot Walk, and I'm like, 
say less, I'm there. I open the door and it's called hot works because I didn't have my glasses and I go walking in expecting Asian food and I leave with another gym membership because I'm like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, I'm looking at all these saunas and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Where do we eat? Do we sweat while we eat? Is it, I mean, I've had the meat sweats, but is this like real life? Are you making me? And so she's like, uh, what do you think this is? I said, I thought it was a hot walk. Like I thought it was like an Asian restaurant. She laughs at me and talks me into a trial membership. Um, and so now I, I get to sweat at 130 degrees on a, on a bicycle. And then I'm just like, why could you be an Asian restaurant? Um, so it was an accident that I went there, but you're not here by accident. God has you here for a purpose. Saul and or Barnabas and Saul are beginning to minister in this island. And they connect with someone. They connect with two people. One of them's a sorcerer. And Saul tells this guy, shut up and you're going to be blind. And he did. That's a boss move. Think if you had that power. Like, that would be pretty cool. Like, there's some, there's some stories in the Bible, like, you know, the prophet calling bears out of the woods to eat kids. I have a school. I've had some problem kids. I've never thought about bears. Hey, Savannah, bears are the ones that don't have the antlers. Um, and so, sorry, inside joke from last night. So we have, this, we have this thing right now where Saul is looking at the sorcerer, and he's like, hey, shut up and be blind. The guy's blind. And Saul ministers to the, the leader of the island, and he gets saved. And then they move. It says, now Paul and his party set from Pathos, and they came to Perga, and John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. Now we need a pause here and unpack this. This is a huge thing. This is a huge thing because previously in Acts 13, 7, just a couple of verses earlier, it was listed as Barnabas and Saul. And this is the first time we see Paul and Barnabas do something. And what that means is, is that this is the moment of history that we're seeing the Apostle Paul rise and elevate to a position of higher authority. It's a monument. If it wasn't for the Apostle Paul, we wouldn't have the majority of the New Testament. And he is ascending in leadership. And the next thing that you realize is that there is no more Saul. From this moment on, he is forever known as Paul. Every time he writes a letter, I am Paul. Uh, every time he's referred to somebody, he's referring to himself now as Paul. Now the big change here is not that he just woke up one day and decided to flip his name. So Paul, who is Jewish, who was raised in the temple, he has a Jewish name, Saul. Saul named after the first king of Israel, King Saul, the guy right before King David. Powerful name, great name. However, later on you'll figure this out, Saul was also a Roman citizen. And as a Roman citizen, you had a Roman name. Anybody have a nickname growing up? Christine, what was your nickname? Girl? Can, I, can we say that? Can't say it out loud. Okay, never mind. Um, so you have a name. So you had a name that your mama called you, and you had a name that your friends called you. His entire life, he'd be outside, and his mama would open the door and say, Saul, come in for dinner. But then his friends would call him Paul if they were Roman. Back and forth, back and forth. And we see the tension between these two names growing and growing and growing. And this is the time where Saul is gone and Paul arises. 
Paul is the author of the books of the New Testament. Paul is the founder of the churches. And Paul is the one that does the miraculous. I find it interesting in this moment that we can see Saul no longer living, but now it is Paul that is taking over. And it may seem trivial to some of you guys, and you may think this is no big deal, but by doing this, he is now giving up his identity of his past and is now embracing the idea of his calling to the Gentile nations. By doing this, he embraces who he's supposed to do. But y'all, his first step's letting go his past. Am I the only person who has a past? Isn't it interesting that even in my now 40 years of age, that my past of 20-something years ago still wants to act like it's today? Does that ever happen to anybody? But for Saul to make the jump into a Paul, he has to first say, I'm no longer that man that you knew me as. I grew up in this area. Grew up in Slapout, Alabama. We had a, at that time, we had a boy store that had a gas station. It had a, a blinking light, but, the, but, but at the blinking light, there was the gas station, bait and tackle, a movie where you could rent DVDs and VHS, actually, I don't even have DVDs, and you could get a little bit of grocery. It was in one building. We had horses. We had acreage. I went to school at this school here. My entire life has been right here. At the age of 18, I left uh, and, and moved to Southwest Florida to venture on some Bible school for a few years and then came back here and worked, cutting grass and pulling weeds and doing whatever my dad wanted me to do. Can I tell you, when your entire life has been wrapped up in this little area and people know you, the question then becomes, do you know who I'm going to be or do you always reference me by who I used to be? And maybe some of y'all are dealing with this in your life. But can I tell you first, before the outside world recognizes who you really are, you have to give up who you used to be. You see, his previous whole life was built around the idea of Saul, the one who was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees, understanding the law, teaching the law, and now he's got to flip the script and be a man that's not about teaching the law, but talking about grace. His whole life has got to change in this moment because from now on, he's got to let go of his past failures and past successes. See, when we, when we cross over in our identity in Christ, you let go of your yesterday, all of it, your failures and your successes because now we have to embrace a new identity. And if there's any ties to the old ways, it wants to walk the tightrope into your new ways. Have you ever cried out to God and had a real heart of repentance and a real change of life, and then six days later you're like, son of a gun, I did it again. You, you, you've got to cut the ties of your yesterday. And this is what Saul is getting ready, Paul's getting ready to do. He's getting ready to bury the Saul in his life. 
And for him to be the man that we know him to be, he has to let go. And for you to be the man and woman of God that you're called to be, you've got to let go. (laughs) You see, I believe in our history. And I believe that God wants to use our past uh, as a mission of love and hope to other people. Because here's the thing, if anybody shouldn't be on this platform-ish stage over here that I'm walking on and having a mic in the hand in this room. It should be me. I shouldn't have because I have a past. I have a deep past. I have a recent past. Anybody else? But can I tell you, there's this moment in your life where you have to decide that no longer will your past define your present and your future. (laughs) You see, it's this idea of, uh, if I can, uh, scars and wounds. Does anybody have a good scar somewhere? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I've got some scars. They're great. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to embarrass you. Is there a place like. Right leg. Right leg. Right leg. What happened? If you mind me asking? Compound a compound fracture. That was a great day, man. Okay. Great day. Can I tell you? Uh, let me ask you a question. Uh, when that all happened, like the next day, if somebody was to walk up and, like, hey, bro, and smack your leg, you would scream. scream. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You'd smack them back. You know, when you have a wound in your life and it gets touched, you want to assault the individual. Like the fivefold ministry wants to grab hold of them. You want to, you want to, you know, try Jesus, but don't try me. I'll throw hands. Like, you know, that whole idea is coming out because wounds hurt. Wounds bleed and they bleed out everywhere else. It's not cool to have wounds. But you know what's great about scars is now I've got scars on my body from, from surgeries and from accidents and other issues in my life being stupid and sometimes not my fault. But you know what's great is now I can show you my scars and you can touch my scars and I can tell you the story of the scars and you don't get smacked. <laughs> you see, this is the difference because if it's a wound in your life, it hurts when somebody else touches. But if it's a scar in your life, you have the ability to tell the story of it without it being painful. And this is what I'm talking about, letting go of your past, is this. Is you get to a place now where your yesterdays aren't wounds anymore, but you know what? Crazy time, compound fracture. That day sucked. Today's great, though. Look at it. I won't do that again. A few years ago, I fell off of a, a ladder and shattered my spine. It's a great day. I, I woke up in the hospital, had no idea how I got there, completely naked, and people staring at me. And I'm like, what happened? Great, I can't move. That's fantastic. They explained to me that I was injured and that I would probably need to fuse different vertebrae in my spine. And the guy goes, looks at me and goes, and you will never hold your kids again. And I said, well, what do I have to do to do that? And his answer was, you need to get up in the next 48 hours and walk. And he got in my face and goes, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And every day, until I got out of that hospital, I would take a step and a step and a step and keep walking through my pain. Now, touch my back. Mess with my back. Go to the gym with me and watch me sweat, th- dreaming of Asian food. And, 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 and understand that today's Pete can talk about yesterday's injuries. It was a failure in my life. But you know what? I also have other failures in my life. I've got issues that I me- messed up on. And, but at the same time, I've got successes that I have too. 
And there comes this moment in my life where I go, hey, I'm going to let go of that and embrace the today. You know, that's how I can be so transparent on stage is because I've had people throw stones at me, metaphorically speaking, recently. I've had people turn their backs on me. It's not fun either. I've had people talk about me, and that's not fun either. I've had people lie about me, and I've had people tell the truth about me. All the things are not fun. However, can I tell you, there comes this moment in my life where I had to realize I am not going to be the person that I used to be any longer, and I'm going to let go of my soul and embrace the pole. And this is how you are walking this life, is there's these moments in your life where you want to smile on the outside, but on the inside, you feel inferior because you know you're yesterday. You can smile on the outside and you can sing on stage or you can talk to somebody and, hey, you want to get lunch and do a Bible study? But then all of a sudden, there's these trigger moments that you go, I can't do that anymore because of my yesterday, because I was this person in school, or I was that person in my relationships, or I was that person with alcohol, drugs, whatever it may be. Y'all, listen to me when I tell you this. You got to cut that and let it go. Trying to say, I'm a horrible human being, worthless, and I'm a child of God at the same time, is going to be a straddle that you're going to fall. Can I tell you, when you repented of your sin, God made you new. He gets no glory by beating yourself up. There's nothing that Christ is like, yes, hit yourself again, Pete. Love it. You're right. You are trash, bro. Remember that 20 years ago? Yeah, I do. No. But here's the crazy thing, Candace. For some reason in my mind, I can believe that for you a lot easier than I can for myself. I can believe that Heidi, God forgave all your sins. He tossed them to the east and the west, and you are great. All two sins in your entire life. He was there. But me? Homeboy's got a library. <laughs> and then I start moving in the right direction, and I'm moving with God, and I'm fasting, and I'm praying, and things are going right, and all of a sudden there's this tug. Oh, don't you remember? Don't, don't, don't you remember what happened in your life back then? The, the choices you made, and you think you're going to keep walking that direction? Shabbat. bud. Bless your heart. No. Can I tell you, that's not God. That's the thing we call shame. And shame is not from God. So Paul, if we can back up, who writes the New Testament, who is a boss of bosses in the New Testament, right? Can we just back up for a second? Paul was a murderer. Anybody else a murderer today? Convicted felon, need to come profess now. Um, (coughs) You know what's great? Paul screwed up his entire life. Paul, he calls himself the chief of sinners. That's a cool title. Paul looks at everybody and goes, there's no way you could sin like I could. I was the best. But he looks back and goes, but that was Saul. Now I'm Paul. And Paul writes the words that say, therefore... Any man who is in Christ is a new creation. So when you're reading the letters of Paul, reading his epistles, his first step was killing Saul. Because we look at this guy, and he's just the best of the best, but the reality is he used to be the worst of the worst. 
But something happened on that boat when he crossed over the island. He decided no longer is that who I'm going to be. Because here's the great thing. He has this moment, right? He has this moment when he's talking to this leader and the sorcerer where he's like, you're going to be blind. Begins to preach the word of God. And there's this tension moment now. Do I stay this person or do I recluse back into my old ways? There's always a tension moment. And, and here's the thing. We have walked around this mountain so many times in our lives. So many times have we had this moment in our lives where God's calling us for greatness and we get really close to the edge, to the edge of the pool, and then we back up really quick because I don't know if I'm ready to jump in yet. But it's hard for you to jump in when somebody's holding you back. A long time ago, we were in southwest Florida, and I was at my uncle and aunt's pool. And my nephew said he wanted to fly. And I said, I got you, bro. And I jumped off the diving board and launched him in the air. And, bro, he got high. But there again, I've also been in pools where I went to go jump off the diving board, and I went to jump, and somebody grabbed my shorts and pulled me backwards. And, and it was just this, this tension, and it hurt, and there's a pain. Listen, if you're always living in that walking around the world, and you're, you're, you're getting held back, and you're constantly being pulled back, and you're constantly going, I know who I want to be, but I can't be, and I want to be this person, but I'm still holding on to this, and I'm not sure if I'm ready to let go, but I still want to be. And, and It's called living in two worlds at the same time. And this is why we're not successes, is because the Bible says that a double-minded man is unproductive in all of his ways. Because it's hard to dig a hole and fill a hole at the same time and say you did something. And that's what we're doing. I'm going to be a success. I'm going to cover the hole. I'm going to be a success. I'm going to cover the hole. I'm going to be a success. I'm going to cover the hole. We expanded a lot of energy, but nothing's changed. Cut it. You've got to cut it. Letting go of your past isn't forgetting about what happened. But it is embracing the newness in Jesus. Letting go of your past isn't carrying the shame of yesterday anymore. Even when other people try to remind you of said shame. Letting go of your past name and being called a new name is a fresh start. A new name is one that is able to be established, not on what I have done, but on what he has done. It wasn't until he made his name change that he was ready to be the leader he was called to be. But can I also just pause? I feel like I've, I've, I've expounded on that enough. Can we just give honor for a second to Barnabas? The guy who was the leader, who then recognizes what's happening inside of Paul and is willingly going, you take the point. Can we... Can we just look at how powerful that is? Because in today's society, the idea of somebody else moving in front of us is a horrible experience. But Barnabas, who grabbed Saul and trained Saul and put Saul next to him, is now in the middle of their missionary journey. And halfway through, he goes, you got it. Can I tell you, he doesn't bail. He doesn't give him a high five and say, hey, you want to do your own thing? Go do your own thing. You want to be in charge? Go be in charge. No, he looks and goes, I'm going to serve you with the same intensity that I was leading you with. That's a man of God. 
It takes a man and a woman of God, or a woman of God, to be able to look at somebody that you were leading to now go, I see the God inside of you is ready to, to take off. Like I, I look at my the people in this room who know me as a child, who have been with me through all these years, who are now looking at me going, Hey, that's my pastor. That's that's a powerful thing. You know, in, 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 in psychology, we have what's called diaper syndrome, where when you change somebody's diaper, it's hard to look at them as an adult and a leader. And for you to get out of that mindset and to go, no, 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 I see who's inside, I see what's coming out, is a spiritual maturity that not many people have. But Barnabas has it. It's hard for parents sometimes to look at their kids who are now going up giving you advice, taking their advice. My parents are on the front row who have been my pastors for years are now looking at me as the pastor. And that's a weird thing for all of us. But that's an honorable thing that Barnabas did. Barnabas looks at a Paul and goes, I see what's in you. I knew who you used to be. Yeah, but I see what's coming out of you. And I like that so much better. But that verse also has an ending. And John departed from them, returning to Jerusalem. We don't know all the story of why John did what he did. <clears throat> maybe uh, he was homesick. That's a, that's a big possibility. Uh, maybe he was afraid of the tough and dangerous road that was ahead of him. It's a possibility. Uh, maybe he thought that one convert wasn't enough for the whole trip. Might as well go home and do something else. Uh, we know in Galatians 4 that it was at this moment that Paul's health took a hit. So maybe he just saw Paul getting sick and he's like, I don't want whatever that is. And maybe he bailed. He didn't have his mask, so he took off. But let me add one more reason. Barnabas was his cousin. And now all of a sudden Paul's in charge. Whatever the reason is, is that we know that Paul didn't like it because in two chapters from now, Barnabas goes, can we get John Mark? And he goes, I don't want him back. So there was something that took place. And if you can give me some liberty to put my own interpretation here, it's not hard for me or a hard leap for me to look and go, oh, now Barnabas is taking a back seat and his cousin says deuces, there's a solid possibility that he was just not happy with what was taking place here. And I'll just go back to Jerusalem. Maybe it was because he saw his cousin as the leader and maybe that if his cousin was the leader, that was his moment to move up to. And when his cousin's not the leader, now I'm going from number 2B to now 3. What am I supposed to do? Where's my future? But can I tell you, there's a trap here. And that is this, resenting other people's calling will always cause you to miss out on the blessing that God has for you. Looking at somebody else for being promoted in the spirit and going, whatever, I knew who they used to be. I know this about them. If they only knew what I knew, will always limit your ability to receive what God has for them. Listen, I'm not the one that calls you. You're not the one that called me. Sure, we live in a world where we can identify the call and we can recognize the call, but ultimately that call comes from God. And it is my responsibility as a believer to look at what God is doing in you, 
more than what the enemy did through you 10 years ago. It's our job as believers and our role to understand that God calls and he assists and he places people in our lives. It's interesting that we got excited about us dropping off our old names, but do we get excited about dropping off other people's names? The people we know about, the situations we have heard about, the times that we have witnessed. That's a lady up in there in the sound booth was with me in high school. You want some stories? I'm sure she can give you some. But at the same time, she has never once looked at me and goes, I remember who you were in 2001. No, dropping off other people's past is just as important as you dropping off your past. Otherwise, you can become a John Mark and you can leave a productive area in your life because you're unwilling to let go of your past nor their past. Will I embrace the call or will I be upset when it's not the person of my choice? When I'm at the office and I see somebody else getting a raise that didn't deserve it like I did, will I resent them or will I go, hey, congratulations, and actually mean it and honor them? In the church, will I celebrate somebody else that is moving ahead and getting a position that maybe I wanted or I was thinking that I deserved? <clears throat> will I honor the elected official that I didn't vote for? That was the one that hurt? Really? We don't know fully why he did what he did, but it definitely in Acts 15 didn't sit well with Paul. But here's the thing. This is the first split that we see taking place. There's others in the New Testament that we'll find out later on. But Paul didn't go back to being Saul. Barnabas didn't look at Paul and say, no, you're going to be Saul, even when there was a split from John Mark. I think it's interesting because his family left and he stayed. Barnabas says, I'm connected to the calling more than I am the identity of that person. Even if my own flesh and blood leaves and they're mad, I'm staying because this is where I'm connected to. And it says this in verse 14, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Poseidon and, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after reading the law of the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them saying, men and brethren, if you have any words of exhortation for the people, say on. That's a rookie mistake. For those of you who don't understand yet, we went through this last week. Uh, when you would go to the synagogue that day, you would wear your official, if you had... Um, hierarchy and Paul at the time uh, who was Saul was uh, one of the number two people in the synagogue in Jerusalem so he had a, a way to identify himself as being special it's not like they had a big robe as they walk in but if we were to have a priest walk in and he has the collar you would say oh well there's a priest it's kind of obvious and let's have that conversation uh, but here's the funny thing is so when Saul or Paul walks in and sits down they would always do they would read of the law they would read of the prophets, and they would look. Is there anybody of notability here? Sir, you're part of the synagogue in Jerusalem. I can see who you are. Do you have any wise words for us today? 
And Paul's like, boy, do I ever. So he stands up and motions with his hands and says, verse 16, men of Israel and you who fear God. He paused for a second, men of Israel and you who fear God, because there were also people who liked the Jewish faith, but they haven't fully converted, that were allowed to be there. So he's now preaching to a mixed crowd, Jews and Gentiles, men of God and those who fear God. The God of these people, Israel, chose our father and exalted people when they dwelt strangers in the land of Egypt, and with an uplifted arm, he brought him out of it. For a time, about 40 years, he put up with their ways in the wilderness. And when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land to them by allotment. After that, he gave them judges for about 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterwards, they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin. For 40 years, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will from this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a savior. So what he's doing, he's, he's leading them through their whole story. Just walking into the synagogue, hey, the Messiah came. They're like, what? So he's got to connect the dots for these people. Mind you, they didn't have TikTok, they didn't have Instagram or Facebook, there was no um, CNN, BBC, Fox News, that they could just jump on and see what was happening in the world. So there, some of these people are hearing this for the very first time. So you can kind of picture yourself sitting there and they're like, yeah, that's exactly right, that's the story. Our history is very clear, people screwed up over and over again. And there is a promise that one day we'll get it right. David's going to do something. It's going to be great. 24 says, After John first preached before his coming the baptism of repentance to all, who have, all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he says, Who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God, to you the word of this salvation has been sent for those who dwell in Jerusalem and their leaders because they did not know him, nor even the voices of their prophets, which they read every single Sabbath, have fulfilled them condemning him. And though they found no cause for death with him, they asked for Pilate that he should be put to death. Now, when they had fulfilled all that was written concerning him, they took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb. I love how he starts this off because he, he separates. These men in Jerusalem, they had no idea. You read the word, maybe y'all get it. They didn't get it, but maybe y'all are intelligent enough to understand what's taking place here. He lays out what's taken place, but God raised him from the dead. And he was seen for many days by those who came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses to the people. And we declare to you glad tidings, that promise which was made to the fathers, that God has fulfilled for us their children, and that he raised up Jesus, as it is also written in the psalm, you are my son, Today I have begotten you. And he has raised him from the dead no more to return to the corruption. He has thus spoken, I will give you surely the mercies of David. Therefore he also says in another psalm, 
Will you not allow your Holy One to see corruption? For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up, Jesus, saw no corruption. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sin, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what has been spoken in the prophets come to you. Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one it was declared to you. We're going to go to the next pass. So when the Jews sent out of the synagogues, went out of the synagogues, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them at the next Sabbath. Pause. This is the mass conversion that he was hoping for. This is the story that's going on. Saul gives up, becomes Paul. Paul gives up the Saul. And he stands at the synagogue and begins to preach. He uses his clout of yesterday to preach today's message of salvation. And notice, there were sons of Israel and God-fearers. The God-fearers stayed. The sons of Israel left. Here's the thing. You've always got two identities. Are you a person that is just a church-goer, or are you a God-fearer? Are you a person that just wants to hear the, the couple of songs, three points in a poem, and get out? Or are you somebody that goes, feed me the word of God. Amen. Tell me the truth even if it hurts a little bit. And this is what society has led us to in these moments. Is this idea of I will just comfort your ears as you stay in your past. And I'm not okay with that. I'm not here to condemn anybody. My past is extensive. My rap sheet is long. So when I look at you and say, let go and become something better, I'm, I'm speaking out of experience. I'm speaking out of love, that there is more to you. But before you let go and become, you've got to first be a God-fearer. You've got to be somebody that goes, I want you, Jesus, more than anything else. I want you, God, more than my comfort. I want you, God, more than my identities past. I want you, God, more than anything. Because at this season in life, they're clinging on to, well, we're sons of Abraham. We're okay. And he's looking at them going, you stupid people. Just because your grandfather was a pastor doesn't mean that you're spiritually sound today. Be a God-fearer. Be somebody who is chasing after God. A person who wants God more than anything else in their life. Be somebody who is seeking after righteousness more than just being okay with my last name. And this is the call today. I can stand here and tell you to be, stop being a Saul and be a Paul, but before we can stop the Saul's and the Paul's, we've got to stop be going, well, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, I was born in church, I was raised in church. No, are you a God-fearer? Are you somebody who's seeking the face of God? Are you somebody who wants him more than your comfort? Wants him more than an identity? Wants him more than your friends? Wants him more than, than, than your family? Wants him more than everything else in this world? 
And this is our first stop of repentance, going, God, I'm so sorry that I've made things about the, the, the surface level, and I've made things about our issues of today, and I've, I've made things about uh, my comforts and my desires and my wishes and my hopes and my dreams. And God, you know what? Forget it all. I just want you and nothing else. That's step one. And then when you do that and you cry out to God and say, God, I want you and nothing else, he rushes in. Because he wants you. He brought you here. He is guiding your path. He is setting you up for success because he's wanting you with him as well. And in that relationship, he begins to speak to you. Hey, you're not who you used to be. You're not the drug addict. You're not the alcoholic. You're not the adulterer. You're not the person who's got the past. You're not the quitter. You're not the dumb person people have made you sound. That's not, no, I have given you life and life more abundantly. And you begin to let go of your past and embrace who he's called you to be. So today, here we go. If you're here and you say, Pete, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make that step from just being a church goer to truly being a God, fear, one who's chasing after him, more than anything else in this world. I'm ready to make that, st- I'm really truly ready to make that step. It's not that you haven't said a sinner's prayer before, maybe been baptized before, maybe you pray in an unknown language. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about in your heart going, I'm, I'm ready to give up that and embrace him. No more preconditions. No more spiritual prenups. You're ready to go all in. If that's you, you say, Pete, I'm ready to sell it out. Go ahead and raise your hand. I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, boom. Boom. Yeah, we got them out. I got my hand up. I'm ready. I'm ready. Anybody else? Who's going to join us? We got some over here. Come on. Yeah. I'm ready. But here's the last thing I want to say. <clears throat> the, the leap from Saul to Paul can be scary. Even a painful past is still my past, and I have to give up my unknown to embrace something new. I don't want to minimize that. That's a scary situation, okay? Uh, it's a, it can be nervous and, and nerve-wracking and, and going through this, but the beautiful part of this is that giving up the Saul and becoming a Paul is also your first step to being the person that God's called you to be. So how do we do this? How do we make this leap? There's a couple of ways today we're going to pray. We're going to believe. We're going to recognize all those things. But also, can I tell you, just being 100% transparency, I don't have a special power that makes you have amnesia from your past. I can't just like shun the tie, keys to my Honda, and then boom, you're healed. But you know what does happen? The, the more time we spend with him, the more he, remind, he tells us who we're supposed to be. And you can hear me once a week, but you also have an opportunity to hear God daily. Spend some time. Read, pray, get some worship music, spend time with him. God, if you don't want to pray, God, who do you say that I am? What is it that I truly am? Not what am I supposed to do? What's my profession? What's, no, forget that. Just forget that. Who am I? Let's start with that. 
and we can worry about what your hands do later on. But who am I? Can I tell you real quick, you are more than a conqueror. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. He wants whatever your hands touch to prosper. He wants you to be blessed when you come in, and he wants you to be blessed when you go out. He wants you to be operating in full peace at all times. He does not want shame in your life. He does not want condemnation in your life. In fact, what he brings is freedom in your life. He's not here for a bunch of rules and regulation, but there is liberty in who he is. And you get to say yes to the right things and no to the right things. And it's not about leaving rules and regulations and no's and no's and no's. It's about when I say yes to something, automatically I say no to something else. So I say yes to life. I say yes to happiness. I say yes to peace. I say yes to joy. I say yes to love, which also means I have to say no to fear. But that comes by spending time with him. It comes by spending time with each other here, too. So if you're here today, yeah, just go ahead and bow your head. I don't want anybody feeling embarrassed at this moment. But if you're here today and you say, Pete, I have been dealing with shame like you cannot imagine of my yesterday, and I'm ready to let go. I'm ready to embrace who God's called me to be. With, there's no one here looking. No one's going to ask you what your shame situation is because no one's going to know what you're doing. But if that's you, just quickly, just don't even raise your hand. Just look up at me real quick. Make eye contact and put your heads back down. Perfect, 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 perfect. Yeah, great, great. Yeah, your spouse doesn't have to know. Your kids don't have to know. Yeah, there we are. Yeah. Yeah. So today, God, we just thank you right now for everyone who is recognizing that who's ready to let go and say, bring in a fresh new life. Letting go of the past and holding on to the future that you have created for each and every one of them. God, we ask right now that you speak life into their hearts, life into their soul. That every time the enemy wants to rise up and remind them of their yesterday, that God, you rush in and say, yeah, I paid it. And let me tell you about your tomorrow and how great it is. That God, that you have called each and every one of these men and women for greatness. It may not be television, it may not be popularity, and it may not be fame, but a great life that is full, a great life that isn't dealing with regrets, a great life that is living a life that's full of peace, love, and joy, and in harmony with everyone around them. God, I just thank you that right now that the people who are letting go of their past, who's letting go of the shame, and dropping off those heavy burdens and some weights, that God, they stand today strong and tall, that even today as they are letting go and they're purging this thing out, they'll feel a little bit lighter and that their, their, their reminders of their yesterdays and their mistakes and failures are, are falling off and they're beginning to walk straight, that God, you've called them for bigger and better things than the mistakes of yesterday. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Have a great week. 